please join me in prayer. Holy and awesome God, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that you would shine upon us in this moment, in this time, in this place, that this would be a mountaintop for us, where we would hear your voice speaking to us down from the heavens. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. (laughs) This is one of those occasions I find a bit awkward sometimes, uh, at least to recognize in public, because I'm aware it's not necessarily a happy day for everyone. Uh, Often it can also be a source of loneliness or disappointment instead. So sometimes I'm, I'm not even sure if I should acknowledge it. Especially in the time of COVID, when loved ones are separated by physical distance, and many are mourning those who have recently died. And then there's just the reality of how difficult it is to, for people to get out and go on dates this season. I imagine a lot of couples have been struggling to make meaningful space to nurture their relationships in the midst of quarantine. So overall, it's just a rough time for love. But at least most people can still find a bit of chocolate today, I hope and pray, or maybe, maybe make a phone call or two to express some affection. We've got to do the best we can with what we've got. And who knows, in retrospect, this might be one of the best Valentine's Days ever. It could be the day that some people reconnect with significant others in their, and family and friends via Zoom. Maybe today will be a high point of the pandemic because... We take the time to reach out and intentionally express love for one another simply because that's what people do on February 14th. So who knows what will happen? Could be a happy Valentine's Day or a very sad one. But either way, God is with us in high times and in low ones, on the mountaintops and in the valleys. That is, of course, one of the themes of today's scripture lesson from the Gospel of Luke. Today, you see, is also Transfiguration Sunday, the Sunday before Lent begins, when we see Jesus turning towards Jerusalem to the place of his crucifixion. And today we see Jesus high and lifted up on a mountaintop, shining in the light of his glory. And at the same time, he's also talking about his death. So the transfiguration event, kind of like Valentine's Day, could go either way. Could be a joyful moment or a sad one, depending on our perspective, which seems to be true for so many things in our lives. It's all about perspective. For instance, I've been listening to an audio book by a writer named Bruce Feiler. It's called uh, Life is in the Transitions. Great book. The general theme is that all of our lives are filled with transitions of one kind or another. And even though sometimes they cause us a great deal of stress, they aren't all bad. It just depends on your perspective. If we assume that our lives should be stable and moving steadily in a certain direction, then disruptions or deviations are experienced as catastrophes to be avoided. But if we accept, on the other hand, that change is inevitable and normal, 
with accompanying highs and lows, we can manage those same transitions with a fair amount of fortitude and grace. Essentially, we can roll with the punches better if we know that they're coming. Since, again, this is Valentine's Day, an obvious example of this is in intimate relationships. Those of you who may have been married for a while, maybe 40 years, you know that it's not always cuddles and roses. Some days you wake up and you're just not sure if you like that person lying next to you. And that, as some of you know, is normal. But of course, a lot of new couples uh, are surprised when this happens to them nonetheless. Even if they should have known better. But some part of us always assumes that the bliss of infatuation, uh, the one that we felt at first, that that would last unceasingly forever. And so there's disappointment when it doesn't, or if it comes and goes. That's why so much of premarital counseling uh, focuses on preparing a couple to deal with disappointment and conflict. Perhaps at least if they know it's coming, they'll be better prepared to work through it. Well, interestingly, I see something similar going on in the story of Jesus today. By Luke chapter 9, Jesus has begun a relationship of love and trust with his disciples. And all has been going well. Jesus has a thriving healing ministry. He's very popular. The disciples are learning how to cast out demons themselves, which makes them feel very good about themselves. Jesus loves the disciples. They love him. It's a honeymoon period. Peter, in particular, he thinks that Jesus is just the greatest. And these disciples, they're expecting to live happily ever after. But, of course, Jesus, being God knows that this isn't necessarily the case. So he tries to prepare those disciples for hard times ahead. Just before the transfiguration in this chapter, Jesus says to them, look, the time is coming when I'm going to suffer and be put to death and then be in a tomb for three days before rising again. And any of you disciples who want to continue being with me, well, you'll have to lose your lives also. You'll have to pick up your crosses too, every day. That doesn't sound very pleasant. I mean, way to kill the mood, Jesus, right? I feel like he's not pulling any punches. Discipleship, he says, is hard. It involves death even. They're sobering words. Perhaps at this point the disciples put on grim faces and trudge forward resolutely towards the cross. But in Luke's gospel, at least, it doesn't appear that that's what happens for them. These disciples don't seem to have absorbed the message about rough times ahead. Perhaps because their very next experience is another high point. Eight days later, Peter, James, and John are with Jesus up on a mountaintop, and they get a vision of him, all lit up like a nightlight, talking to prophetic heroes of old, Moses and Elijah, two Old Testament figures who were believed to have escaped death. At this point, Peter comes across as rather confused, which I think is understandable. Peter wants to build a monument to this divine trio, celebrate the good life that seems to have come in full forever. 
Once again, those disciples, they feel like they're on the top of the world. And isn't that how it is in all relationships? Again, like the young couple who, who doesn't yet know anything of struggle. You can warn those young couples all you want, but then the next day, they go out on a date, they have such a wonderful time together. Who can blame them for assuming that it will always be this way? They peer into one another's eyes and whisper, let's take pictures and build a monument to our love. While in the background, a voice booms down from heaven. This, Jesus, is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Part of the problem for us, as Bruce Feiler points out repeatedly in his book on transitions, is that we human beings, we all have a tendency to assume that life is linear and stable. We think life is, uh, is, is going to continue in a certain direction, and so we always default to that expectation, even though, in fact, that's not likely to be the case at all. The truth is that our lives rarely progress in a predictable direction. For instance, here's a, here's a linear progression. You grow up, you get a job, you find a life partner, you have kids, you retire, then you rejoice in grandkids. <laughs> that can and does happen for some people, lucky ducks. But this is not the story for most people. The truth is, in fact, that life is usually not linear. And so these things can and do happen or not happen out of order. For instance, sometimes people don't grow up and mature the way they should. Or maybe they lose that job that they thought would last. They lose a partner to death or disease or dementia or divorce. Some people find out they can't have kids or that they won't have grandkids. They realize they can't afford to retire or that they just don't want to. So maybe those folks who are living life out of order, they go back to work or they find a new family or they decide to become young again and try some new things. Through all of this progression, sometimes... We're on top of the world, and other times we are in the valley of the shadow of death. And all of that is normal, as our scriptures affirm. In this story, after Peter, James, and John come down from the mountain with Jesus, they, they jump right back into their healing ministry. There's a man whose son is possessed by a demon. For whatever reasons, the disciples aren't able to cast it out. Now you'd think that after the mountaintop experience, after they've already seen his glory, this kind of thing would have been easy peasy for those disciples. Surely they would have had great faith by now, the ability to cast out that demon. But no. Jesus admonishes the crowd for their lack of faith. Again, he repeats his warning that he's going to be delivered into the hands of his adversaries. And yet... Those good disciples, they still don't understand. They were on top of the world, and now they're, they're heading towards the bottom. 
they had already seen Jesus for who he was. And, and now they don't seem to get it at all. It's not a linear progression. Not just bottom to top or top to bottom. It's more like a roller coaster. Up and down. Up and down. Incidentally, if you were to describe the shape of your life, what image would you choose? Would it be a constant progression? Or would we see some bumps in the road? Some people talk about their lives as coming full circle. Other people talk about it as, as like it's a spiral or a star or maybe just a messy squiggle. In this gospel story, which I think, I think of this one as more like a, a rugged mountain range or perhaps in the form of a cross, the relationships of the first disciples and Jesus starts off low and slow. Then there's a high point at the transfiguration. Lots of small twists and turns here and there. But the, and then, then when Jesus is crucified, there is this deep valley. The lowest of the low. And this, this kind of rock bottom experience is kind of ironic. Because Jesus describes the cross as, as his triumph. As his glory. This is when Jesus believes he's really lifted up. Not on the mountain, but on a cross. The paradox of the gospel is that when we are at our lowest, Christ is most powerful to save. So for the disciples, it may feel like defeat. Those three days that Jesus spends in the tomb. It's only after he comes back from, to them in, in resurrected form that the disciples start to rise up again and relationships are restored. And once the Holy Spirit comes in full, these same disciples finally return to the sense of confidence and joy that they had had at first. They're back on top again. Ultimately, in the end, part of what gets them there back on top is the recollection, the memory of that first mountaintop experience. When they first saw clearly that Jesus was and is the Son of God. And then after they've gone through all the drama and heartache of losing Jesus, then they remember, oh yeah, there was that one time, they said to each other, way back when, when we saw something, we felt something. Jesus was shining on us then too. We didn't understand it, not completely. Only now do we see after we've been through some suffering. So maybe it had to be this way. We had to experience it ourselves to know that there can also be glory in the midst of the suffering. Back to my fictitious young couple. Let's pretend they're not young anymore. They've been on that roller coaster of love for a while, the highs and lows of it. And they're starting to see, as these disciples eventually saw, that there can be glory in those suffering times. If they also remember 
the moments of joy on the mountain when their love was fresh and new. John Gottman, the the world's foremost researcher on intimate loving relationships, he's found in his research that couples who are happiest and most secure are those who regularly recall moments of closeness and connection that they've had with one another, the high points of their journey. It's not that they don't have low points or times of disconnection, but they choose to intentionally remember the good ones. And they remember them with joy. Their perspective is an intentionally positive one where the goal isn't necessarily to stay on the mountaintop, but to return there often through affirmation and appreciation with cards and hugs and focused attention. That way, when life does inevitably bring another unexpected downturn, it becomes simply another detour rather than a full-on derailment. It's all about how we see the pathway that we've been given. It's all about perspective. And we Christians, I think we're lucky that we have been given the ability to see Christ Jesus and to view all of life through the lens of God's grace to us. Our eyes have been opened to see Jesus high and lifted up. To remember that in all of life, in the good and the bad, Jesus is with us. And because Christ has the power to overcome all things, we can have confidence that the low points won't last forever. Though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes again with the morning. And our joy can be all the greater when we remember that Christ Jesus now lives in us. His power over death even has been given to us. So when we revisit this story, this high point, our great story of love that we share together, we remember and give thanks that there there is no valley so low that Christ can't pull us out of it. There is no disconnection or distance or separation that can keep us down for very long. We're reminded again and again that Jesus can cast out the demons that we cannot. And even the grave cannot contain His power. Even the power of sin and death cannot stop Jesus' love for us. And this love now lives in us so that we might love one another as He has loved us, rejoicing in all circumstances, giving thanks for every memory, encouraging one another and extending grace no matter our history, no matter where we happen to be on the roller coaster this particular year. Friends, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. How the light of God has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. Therefore, because Christ lives, we also shall live. And our love also shall endure through trials and tribulations and even the sickness unto death. 
Because God's love conquers all, we can trust that all creation shall be transformed, transfigured, made new. This promise is for us and for our children, for those who are near and for those who are far away. We need only to receive it, to rejoice in it, to remember it, and to trust that all should be well. This is our Christian hope on Valentine's Day and every day. May, be, may it be a happy one indeed. Amen? Amen.